Happy New Year to all of you listeners out there. And I want to welcome you to a new year and a new season of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I'm your host, Karen Litzy. And uh, this year, we're uh, hopefully going to have a lot of great guests. I know we have a great lineup for the month of January. We've got a PT from the Mayo Clinic. We've got uh, entrepreneur talking about how to release those blocks that you might have around money. And today we have a PT and inventor on. So we're going to kind of branch out in a lot of different ways this year, and I'm really excited about that. And hopefully uh, you guys will all be on board for the whole year. Um, and as a lot of you may know, I kind of took a little bit of a hiatus from doing the podcast because I was in school over the past two years getting my transitional DPT, and I graduated a couple of weeks ago, and so now uh, everything will be back on track, and we will be having new podcast episodes that you can uh, find if you're subscribed to Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart will be delivered to you every Monday. So stay tuned for a whole new a uh, year of as many podcasts as I can possibly churn out every single Monday. Um, so today, like I said, today I'm really excited. We have a PT and an inventor on, and we are going to talk about his invention, and we'll talk about what it does and how it helps the PT world and our patients, but we're also going to talk about how one gets from an idea to a prototype to a uh, mass production of, a, of, his, of an invention. And I think a lot of PTs out there, trainers, yoga, Pilates, everybody has great ideas that they think will help their patients and clients. And today, we're going to learn a little bit more on how to do that. Again, this is just a template. This is not in any way, shape, or form any sort of legal advice. So, so please just use this as This is a good template, I think, um, and we'll talk about this as we go along, but obviously if you're inventing something, you probably need a lawyer to kind of help you through it. So um, please do not take this as uh, legal advice, as we are not lawyers, we are PTs. Um, So keep that in mind uh, as we kind of go through the podcast today. Okay, so on the show, I'm happy to introduce J.R. Rossblock. He is a doctor of physical therapy and a certified strength and conditioning specialist. He graduated from Marquette University with an undergraduate degree in human biology and then his DPT. He now practices in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, He has focused his professional career in outpatient sports medicine and specifically with upper extremity and overhead throwers. He is also the inventor of an innovative strengthening device for the forearm and shoulder called the Pronator. And the Pronator is a handheld strengthening device that changes... Uh, traditional exercises of the arm, and we'll get into that later. He developed this product from a concept sketched on a piece of paper to a product that is now sold across the world. Uh, His dream is to help patients and athletes all over the world meet their goals, improve their strength, and return beyond their previous level of functioning. So, JR, thank you for coming on the show. Karen, it's great, and I get to kick the new year off. That's, That's a treat. Yes, yes, starting the new year off right. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so let's start out with, so you have this invention, okay? So it's called the Pronator. So tell everyone, what is it? So the Pronator is a handheld strengthening device, like you said, um, designed for patients to use on their forearms, shoulders, and their wrists. Um, it's made out of a pretty ergonomic, ergonomic excuse me, handle 
that is easy to clean and it really allows progression. The whole point of the device is to allow patients to progress. Um, so the end of it has a strap on it that allows you to use any dumbbell coated vinyl neoprene dumbbell in your clinic. You can use the ones, the tens, every clinic owns them, every clinic has them. You can take those dumbbells, you can switch them out pretty easily and quickly into the pronator. And you can also use TheraBand so you can get full eccentric or concentric activation. When you use just a dumbbell, you're going to be a concentrically, concentrically activating and eccentrically activating. And the TheraBand allows you to do a full range of motion, which is pretty unique. Cool. So now who, I guess, what patients, what diagnosis uh, are most likely to use this? Yeah, I'm sure we'll go into a little bit more in detail of how the idea came through and why. But the ideal to start was for people with forearm injuries, the epicondylitis, medial lateral epicondylitis, um, kind of moved into radial ulnar deviation, a lot of that functional forearm grip, and it was basically out of need that it was developed. Which is usually the case for most things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They say that... um, isn't it like necessity is the father of invention or mother that's of invention? Exactly or what I was yeah. For. yeah, I think that's, that's something necessity. like that. I'm sure someone will correct that, but I think it's yeah. something like that. The necessity is the mother of all. Yeah, invention. mother. Why would I say father? God. Well, you were right because I couldn't even think of it to start okay. with. Go ahead. But so as we've been going here for a little bit, we've noticed that the shoulder complex can really benefit from the use of the pronator. When you're prone or supine, and prone is the more beneficial position. It has a, a lever arm that really gives you a, a rotational torque. So let's say you're laying prone doing like a scapular T position. That pronator gives you a little isometric on your rotator cuff, which is a pretty unique thing that you can't find with a lot of devices out there right now. Um, and a lot of the feedback I've been getting from PTs is they really like it almost more for the shoulder than they do for the wrist and the forearm, which is really cool because initially that wasn't what it was thought of. And how long, inches-wise, is the, the pronator? So I can kind of get an idea, and listeners can kind of get an idea of... So you're holding on to the handle. From the handle to where the strap is that the yeah. weight is attached, about how long is that? It doesn't have to be exact, but... It's, it's about 12 inches. Okay. okay. So it's about, yeah, it's about a foot. And when the strap is released, it's maybe like 15 or 16 inches. Okay, okay. And it's... It can be a long lever arm. 12 inches is quite a lever arm, especially yeah. if you put heavier weight. The nice thing about it is the shape of the handle is you can grab higher comfortably. So you can change that lever arm from a full 12 inches down to a 6 or a 2 if you got have it. a little oh, okay. patient. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And so we've talked about what it is, what it does, who can use it. Who are – is this mainly – targeted towards physical therapists or is this something the patient can take home with them is or is this something that stays at the PT office? That's a great question. So initially it's targeted towards the clinics Mm -hmm. to use in the clinics. Um, It's durable so you can use it day in and day out. It's going to hold up well. Um, I hope down the road at some point maybe we get these out to the clinics to give them to the patients Mm -hmm. because I think patients could benefit maybe a home exercise program Mm -hmm. uh, with them. The price that it's at right now might make that a little difficult. It's not unreasonable for sure, but it, for the home consumer, it's a little tougher. Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely geared towards physical therapists, which like you said in your intro, I'm a PT, so I have PTs in mind. 
Um, but again, as we've been kind of talking to different markets and people, I think personal trainers can really use these for people. I mean, everyone has forearms. Everyone wants to get bigger forearms. Mm-hmm. It's functional for all of our grip and strength. You know, anytime you're using your hands, you're using your forearms. So I think there's a big market, maybe into personal training and even into athletics too, I think. Yeah, I was thinking what about, you know, professional athletes, tennis players, golfers, yeah. football, baseball, all that kind of stuff. I can see that as, as something that is would be very useful. And I think, now, did you just make some sales to some D1 D1 colleges, professional teams. Yeah, you know the last this Christmas season's been pretty exciting, and we had and I don't really know if I can say exactly the schools and the professional yeah, I mean, you teams. Yeah, don't have to say that. Yeah, but they definitely have gotten some interest again because the, there's not a lot out there in the market like this, which is really cool. Um, and also, there's people are starting to catch word of this and see the applications. Great, great, and if. Uh, so people listening now, if you're on your computer and you want to see what this thing looks like, they can go to? www.thepronator.com. Great. Um, and that's the website where you'll see some instructional videos. We have quite a few exercise suggestions, uh-huh. a couple how-to videos. It's a really a new concept. If you've ever snowboarded or skied or rollerblade, you'll kind of get the way it works. Uh-huh. Um, but definitely not something we've used in physical therapy to this point. Um, and also a point I wanted to make too with the overhead throwers is if you look at the thrower 10 progression, I mean, almost everyone's familiar with the thrower 10 exercise program, which always kind of kills me. It's 21 exercises. I don't know why. Maybe originally it was 10, Maybe. but it's up to 21 now. I think the pronator would work really well with almost almost every exercise in that whole list, which is just pretty cool. Great. Okay. So now... We're going to get into probably what a lot of people want to know is how do you take something that is sketched out on a piece of paper to now being bought by people all over the world? So can you take us through your entire sort of invention process starting with that sketch on a piece of paper? And we're going to skip the blind luck part, right? No, 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 no. Talk about the luck. No, 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 I'm teasing. There definitely is luck involved with a lot of things. But True. A lot of it is perseverance, and a lot of it is um, just talking to people and making connections. It's amazing what you can gain from asking questions. Um, yeah, it's, that's probably the most important thing. But the, really the way it came around was in my whole clinical professional career, I, you know, we treat as a PT, we treat the whole body. So you get a handful and a lot of the clinics I've worked in, there's been OTs and the OTs really probably treated more wrist hand and the elbows kind of became the gray area. So when I would get an elbow, a patient with lateral epicondylitis, medial epicondylitis, distal bicep tendon repair, um, I was go to the strengthening phase and we do the normal exercises, but whenever I got to pronation supination, maybe radial or ulnar deviation, I noticed there really wasn't a good way to progress patients. Most of the clinics had maybe a standard hammer, um, which is a nice course, tool. It's yeah. extremely functional, um, but they're light. The heads are fixed to them. You can't you can't make it heavier unless you would strap a um, ankle weight or some theraband to it. You know, it works, but it's kind of unsafe. Yeah, kind of scary. Yeah. It doesn't look very professional. Right. Um, so then I basically, like we said, necessity. So I noticed, hey, there's a, there's, there's a gap here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of PTs do that day in and day out as PTs and trainers. You know, we're, we think 
to try to solve problems, especially for people. And so I think we're always thinking of new ways to do things. Um, so you identify your need and then you're going to have to kind of go out and do your research. So then I hit the internet and I looked into catalogs and I was looking for products, you know, just to make sure that maybe these clinics I worked at or had, uh, had visited or did clinicals in just didn't have these things. Mm-hmm. It really turned out that there wasn't much out there. So then I think the next step you got to do is you got to identify your needs. So just because you think it's a great idea or your best friend and you think it's a great idea, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the next hottest thing. That's a very good point. Uh, yeah. I, you know, and even now you get, I get people that come up with these great ideas to me and they're like, yeah, hey, I have this really cool idea. And it is a really cool idea, but there's so many factors that come into play to, mm-hmm. for something to actually work or make it in the market. So going to other PTs, bouncing that idea off of them, you can do focus groups where you get a group of people to come in and you can kind of set up the questions and get a couple of products. So I did that. I actually purchased a similar product, got a prototype of mine made, and I brought it to a group of PTs, sat them down, ran through a bunch of questions, you know, at the end, had them pick which one they thought would be better and kind of get some of that market feedback. Um, we even videotaped that, some of those early ones, so we could watch people's reactions. Smart. How they, yeah, how they played with it, how they used it, um, to really kind of watch and see. Because this process can be very expensive. You know, So before you put yourself in financial risk or your family, you want to make as much of an educated decision as you can. Um, so getting the more feedback from the consumer, uh, the better. Now there is, I think, a, a bit of caution with that. I think of, um, I think a quote Henry Ford said that if he would have listened to his consumers, he would have built faster horses. So, so there is a point that you know you can't always listen to everyone around you because maybe you have a great idea that yeah. no one else realizes, and you just got to go with your gut. Right. So Henry Ford built the automobile, and that turned out to be okay for him. Yeah. So, <laughs> Pretty good. So deal. at some point, you got to rely on that, but it's that balance. Mm-hmm. It's trying that balance. And how long from, here's the idea I have, like you said, I sketched out this idea to getting a prototype made. What is the time frame on that for you? I'm sure it varies for everyone, but for you, what was the yeah. time frame on that? So I think an important piece of this is probably like yourself or other physical therapist trainers is that, you know, I had a human biology undergrad and a DPT graduate degree. I have very little business. I have zero manufacturing experience. <laughs> I have no marketing experience. We just weren't taught those things because we chose a different life path. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of learning, and my path was probably slower because I had a lot of learning to do to get to these steps. Um, so I probably came up with the idea mm, two and a half years ago. Okay. Maybe three years ago. Kind of went to the local hardware store. Uh, I literally bought a wooden hammer handle, a ski binding, and some tennis grip wrap. And I had gotten my little wood shop and I started cutting things and putting things together. And so I had this grotesque, rude idea that I could take uh-huh. to my patent attorney, that I could take to some clinics and just kind of be like, hey, what do you think of this? And ever since then, ever since the beginning, I've always had good feedback from the people I talk to. Good. And so that always kind of gave me that motivation to go to that next step. So I think that is important, you know, make your minimum viable product is what they'll call it if you 
read a lot of like the lean startup, lean entrepreneur type books. Mm-hmm. Say make the, the most basic product you can have and test it. And then test it. And if it fails, well, then tweak it. You know, mm-hmm. keep, learning, keep testing, keep learning, keep changing. Um, rarely do I think is anything ever what you intended to start out as. And you just keep testing there. So over that two, three year period is kind of where it all started. Got it. And now, yeah, no, that's great. And I think it's important to, and you sort of touched on that, important to note for people that you have a patent lawyer. Yeah. So let's talk about the importance of having that lawyer. Sure. Because everyone's like, can I just go to Zoom and patent something myself? (laughs) You can, (laughs) but whether or not it holds up in the court of law is kind of the whole whole point behind it. So it is, it is, that is at least for me, it was the most expensive of part course. of this. Yeah. It is it is a very expensive process. Um, there are no guarantees in life, just like with the attorney and legal system. Uh, but if you really want to have a product last and maybe be protected, you have to kind of go the patenting route. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can start, and I started with a provisional patent. So you can even go onto Google. Google has Google patents. You can search mm-hmm. You can put in keywords and you can search and see if someone else has a patent. That's another really important thing. There are, geez, I don't even know, millions of patents. Mm -hmm. And there's probably only a quarter of those are products. So just because you don't see a product on the market doesn't mean someone's not holding a patent that couldn't slow you down. What do they call it? The previous art search, right? Yep. Yep. Prior art. Prior art. So you do your cursory prior art. and. You know, sometimes doing a cursory prior art search on your own and then giving all that information to the lawyer can maybe help defray your costs a little bit because maybe you've done a lot of research ahead of time so you don't have to pay the lawyer to do it. I think you can save yourself a dollar for every 10 seconds you save a lawyer or something Mm -hmm. like that, Mm -hmm. you know. So if you can do a a search and you can kind of get some of that prior art dwindled down or even give them examples that will help them with their search Mm -hmm. because then they can Mm -hmm. go into the keywords of that that uh, patent and, and dig into it. So yeah, if you do the search, you don't see anything, get your patent attorney out there. They'll probably file what's called a non-provisional patent first. So that's a, there's a really nothing too fancy about it. It holds your idea for one year and it's very affordable. I think you can file one yourself if you want to for like $120, let's say. Mm-hmm. And really there's nothing necessarily that has to be legal about that. Um, it just holds that idea for one year. So now you protected saying, I have this idea. I can go out and talk to people. I can talk to manufacturers. I can talk to distributors. And I, I have this protection kind of looming out there. Um, and if you think you got something, then you can take the financial commitment, really go the, the, the legal route, get it written up, file the non-provisional, which is good then for 15 years if you're able to get one. Um, and really protect your idea. Right, and that's where the lawyer comes into. Yeah, you got to you got you got to do it. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's expensive, but like you're also working. You may have a family. You have other obligations that you need to spend your time at. And the last thing you want to do is be doing something half-assed. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And to be honest, I started with the lawyer from day one almost. Mm-hmm. I mean, just to get them involved and make sure. Because you're right. Like, the last thing you want to do is go through all this process, and three years later, you don't have anything, and maybe someone swoops in and just takes it from them. Or you did it wrong. Or you did it wrong. Or you did it wrong. So you spent all this time, you have this thing produced, and then you did it wrong, and then you're, like, kicking yourself. Because if you just (laughs) got a lawyer, 
Yep. Life would be a lot easier. Yep. Um, okay, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're you're 100 percent right. <clears throat> okay. And the process takes a while. Yeah. I mean, by time I think I don't even know how long they're backed up, but the the U.S. Patent Attorney Office is they're like a year out. Yeah. So even when you apply, it'll take them a year before they even get a chance to look at it. Yeah. Now you're covered throughout that whole time frame, which is nice. They give you that protection. Um, it's called a patent pending. Oh, sure. Yeah. People see that all over the place. I see that a lot. Yeah. Yep. So, and actually my device is still patent pending because it's been, I've been going through the USPTO for almost two and a half years now and we're still kind of working through it. Yeah, it's, it's a long process. It is. Yeah, it's a yep. long process. So there's, there's no overnight success stories with this? Correct. Maybe <laughs> with the product, but not with the patent. Right, yep. right, right. Okay. <laughs> yep. So, so let's talk about um, prototype yeah. to actual sellable, marketable product. So right. how does that work? How do you find people to make this? I mean, does the yeah. lawyer help? Do you ask, like, how does this happen? Yeah. You know, I read a lot of books. That's where I really turned. Because it's amazing how much literature is either free, like on your podcast, you're providing all this amazing free content for all your listeners. So there are all kinds of podcasts out there that you can get information from. There's some great books on inventing things and ideas for that. So... As far as taking a prototype and developing it, um, I think there's several routes. One of them is you can actually find someone that'll contract this idea. You can pay them to help you go mm-hmm. through this whole process. Uh, the route I took is I actually just started finding the pieces that I knew I needed. So luckily my invention, I can kind of take already existing pieces and modify them mm-hmm. to suit my needs. Uh, is how I started at least. So I was able to do that. I found a machinist in town that could change some things. I did order a couple things overseas, bring them in. I assembled them all in my garage for a little bit, you know, did kind of that whole route. Um, And then I went out as the volume started to increase, I Mm -hmm. found a manufacturer. Um, And you can almost always find someone to do something. It's just how much are you willing to pay them to have that done? Sure, sure, yeah. So as, as I found the volume increased, I could justify those those costs and that mm-hmm. demand. It's actually really nice because now I don't have to worry about inventory and, and growth that's kind of onto their shoulder. And they're professionals. Like, this is their job. Their mm-hmm. job is to make stuff and to know their supply chain and things that I don't even know what those words mean that I'm saying right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. So, it, that's a little more of a finesse in the time thing. I used, um, there's some good websites. MFG.com is a manufacturing website. You can kind of post if you have a 3D drawing or you have some instructions on your idea, mm-hmm. you can post it and different manufacturers will bid on oh, your cool. idea. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of cool like um, what's Lending Tree, you know? I, yeah. I see commercials for it, like you yeah. lenders compete and you win kind of a thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The same idea. Manufacturers compete and you win. Uh-huh. <laughs> Alibaba, and you know, everyone knows in the news, they just went public not sure. too long ago. They're a huge Chinese sourcing website, so if it's something that already exists, you can probably find it. you got to order like a thousand or more at a time, but sure, sure. if it's something you're serious about, you can get things very reasonably okay. done. And then locally, I, I know here in town in Green Bay, there are several plastic manufacturers that I talked to and you know they were very kind in helping you go through the process and some of them have design firms that'll help you make drawings and and you know it's kind of an in-house system where they'll go from start to finish. Great. And now 
and here, do you have a team working with you at this point, or is it just you? Is it like you and your family? Like, how are you getting all this done? Yeah, uh, you know, so you're only as strong as your weakest link, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's me. Yeah, it's all me right now. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Which is okay. kind of intimidating. Um, yeah, definitely. I haven't, I haven't quite grown to the point where I'm taking on more business partners okay. or okay. Um, more of that and. It's been a it's been a really cool experience and yeah. So and what about investors? Did you need to get investors for this? And and if you did, how did you go about doing that? Yeah, you know another really thing I think I've been kind of blessed is how everything's fallen fallen into place. I haven't needed to take outside uh, investment money at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I've definitely looked into it a little bit. Uh, but in Green Bay, Wisconsin, too, there's not a huge entrepreneurial movement. There's not a lot of investment money like there is okay. out in Napa, or I'm sorry, California, on that area, mm-hmm. or other parts of the country where it's really growing. Um, so I'm probably not an expert on finding investors okay. or how to talk to them or how to pitch an idea. Um, yeah, I've been pretty lucky but in the sense you, that I. But haven't. you may need to one day. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and it's probably. No, I'll I'll have to you know get someone on the podcast to teach people how to pitch to investors. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Awesome. I'll listen in for sure. Okay. All right. Um, so now, okay. So we've got the prototype, and we're moved through uh, from idea to prototype investors. Now, mass marketing. So. How are you getting this product out there? What avenues have you chosen to use? And, and have they been effective? And have, have you tried something that was like a total non-starter, which, which certainly yeah. happens and is perfectly normal? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think failure is just an everyday thing, you know, so it's really, I think, part of doing something like this is really being able to kind of roll with the punches and learn from your mistakes and no one's perfect. I certainly am not. Um, so yeah, there's been probably more things I've had to rethink than have worked great. But the things that I think have really worked well, I think in physical therapy, and that's what I understand. It's what I do for a profession and, and where I decided to start it. Cause I kind of just understand how we buy things and how we do who makes decisions and how to buy things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really key point. Cause I can go to a place like CSM and talk to a thousand PTs and students who may not have any, dis- they have decision. I shouldn't say that, but you got to know who you to go talk to PPS. To. That's what I hear. I've never you have, been. You have to go to the, I have never been either, but I, we did a, I did a recap of the PPS conference a couple of weeks ago with Larry Benz and Jerry Durham on, on yeah. our uh, web series, um, Sips with Jerry, Larry, and Care, shameless plug. Um, <laughs> but we talked about PPS, so I think that exactly. might be the platform by which you're going to get, because there you're getting your private practice owners and things like yep. that. So that might yeah, be absolutely. your... That might be your gig next year. Yeah, that's a great idea. Submissions are open now. You should go on to PPS and put a submission in. That's a good. That's good advice. Just an FYI. Thank you. Go ahead. So I'm sorry to interrupt, but go ahead. No, it's that's great information, and I shouldn't. I'm not bashing CSM at all. Actually, it was a great experience. I went out there. I talked to um, a lot of distributors, almost all of the big distributors in physical therapy. Yeah, I think and didn't, for physical therapy, a lot of people, like my organization I currently work for, has a buying contract with a large distributor. Ah, I 
So like an OPTP kind of a thing? Is that a large distributor? Yeah, yeah, like that. Patterson Medical actually. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, so one of my targets was to approach those guys because I think a lot of people just go open the catalog, find what they want, and put the order in. Mm-hmm. And not a lot of PTs buy things on their own. A lot of PTs, not all of them, but a lot work for organizations and the organization buys it. So mm-hmm. I targeted heavily into distribution. I found through small marketing, I haven't done any you know million-dollar marketing campaigns, but through small marketing on like Google AdWords or catalogs, um, maybe at like local conferences, I'll do some marketing through there. Mm-hmm. Even mailing, like direct mailing, very limited response to direct mailing. Oh, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's really not worth my time or anyone's time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I targeted distributors. And then I've also reached out to a lot of prominent social media figures, such as yourself. Um, and that's been a really great avenue because I think. A lot of therapists are looking for new things, and podcasts are such a great way to get information. Um, so reaching out and working with people like yourself has mm-hmm. been really beneficial, too. Great. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because I know I saw you were on Mike's, uh, yeah. Mike Reinold's uh, blog? Is it a blog? Yeah. A vlog? Yeah. <laughs> a vlog? I think it's a blog, because it's, it's a, a blog, video yeah. blog. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I saw it on there, which is great. Yeah, Mike has been Mike's been great. He really likes it, and he was happy to talk about it, and um, that's been a great experience by itself. Yeah, absolutely. Great, great. Yeah. and you know, a lot of times these little like grassroots advertising movements can really turn yeah. into something big. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. No, it's been definitely when you are starting on your own. If you don't have investors, you don't have uh, this pile of money laying around that you can spend. You got to figure out how you can make it work without selling your house right? Um, yeah. unless you live in Hawaii and you can live without a house but right. in Green Bay, Wisconsin I gotta have a house it's I think it's 15 degrees outside yeah, right that's now that's insane um, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy um, and so so uh, let's talk a little bit about kind of that social media marketing so what is your Twitter handle if people want to start following you on Twitter they can go to what it is at the pronator very simple so at very the pronator simple. And I'm not going to lie, that's one of my New Year's resolutions is to be better at Twitter. Listen, Twitter takes practice. Like now, like I have Twitter and I have Facebook. I prefer Twitter because, mainly because it's just easier to do on my phone. Like I have no other reason as to why I prefer Twitter. Um, But I've also found that PTs are really engaging on Twitter. Oh. So if you use certain hashtags and if you get involved, there's... um, uh, certain um, tweet chats. There's a tweet chat like every Tuesday at nine. There's the hashtag solve PT tweet chat. If you start getting involved with that, and you know, obviously, you're not like saying, "Hey, this I know this is the topic, but I sell this." Like that's just weird. <laughs> but if you get if people start to kind of get to to know you, and and they're like, "Wow, yeah, that makes a lot of sense," then they'll go to your Twitter handle and they'll be like, "Oh, what is this? Oh, okay." And yeah. then you know, that's a nice way to get involved, but. Um, from what I understand, I use Twitter much more than I use Facebook. Um, even though I have a Facebook business page, I don't really use it as much, but I connected my Twitter to my Facebook page. So every time you send out a tweet, it goes right onto the Facebook business page. So at least it keeps it active. Um, but I find, I found with Twitter that 
the more, obviously, and this is, sounds like common sense, but the more you tweet, the more followers you will probably have. And sure. the more content you can put out there that's meaningful to people and that can, people can attach themselves to that content, the more followers you will have. Yeah. Um, so if you go on there being all salesy, obviously right. people are going to be like, what's up with this guy, you know? Yeah. But if you're yeah. going on there adding, you know, true content to people, whether it be videos or, you know, you're at a conference and you're like, I tweeted a conference and got like 500 new followers in the course of a conference, Wow. which is a that's lot. Awesome. You know? Yeah, that's but, awesome. Yeah. But because what I'm trying to do is get a lot of, information out to people who maybe are not at that conference so these are like little things you can do you know there might be some conferences in green green bay wisconsin that most people are like well i'm not going to green bay but you can tweet it Uh, okay so that's a way to kind of engage people with your engage your followers and i mean i just prefer twitter a lot of people do very very well on facebook Mm -hmm. you know i mean i don't and and speaking of which what is your facebook page name that's also a really complicated one. It's just the pronator. The pronator. So yep, it would be pro- like www.facebook.com slash the pronator. Sounds I think good. I think that's how it goes. I think that's how it works, yeah. You can um, search it on Facebook too. Yeah, just type yes. pronator. Yes, you it. can. I did it today, and, and lo nice. and behold, it comes up. Um, Perfect. So I think those are some ways to, to think about really getting some good um, content out there, getting people to know who you are, getting PTs to know who you are, because right now you're really marketing to that niche market of PTs and, and maybe yeah. some trainers. Yeah, maybe. absolutely. Right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. yeah, definitely kind of go in the sports trainer PT realm. Is the, or athletic the, trainer. Athletic exactly. trainers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, athletic. So ATCs. Yes. Right? That's the That ATCs. LAT? L-A-T? Oh, L-A-T? Yeah, L-A-T. License? I think they're licensed now. Yeah, licensed athletic trainers, yes. Yep. Whoopsies. Um, but, you know, you you're also to... a strength and conditioning specialist, so you have yeah. a lot of a lot of different, I think, avenues to to get your name out there and get your product out there. And it's, a, I mean, yeah. I've seen the video. It looks really cool. It seems like it, I haven't personally tried it yet, but it looks really cool, and it makes sense. Cool. So yeah, absolutely. It's something that a PT or a LAT or a trainer should be able to grab in their hand and be like, I know exactly 20 exercises I could have somebody do with mm-hmm. this. Yeah, just a nice tool. And I really think what you said it was right on key when you were talking about content and value on Facebook and Twitter. For anyone that, like yourself, you're really figuring out that people don't want to be sold to. People are too smart. They don't want to be mm-hmm. sold to, especially on social media. They want value to their life. So how can you provide that value to somebody's life is really is really what um, is what they're looking for. And I think you're yeah, that's awesome. So that's that's great advice right there. Great advice. Yeah. And okay, so now let's see, mass market production. Uh, let's see, we covered idea, prototype investors out to the mass market, anything else, anything that we missed that, you know, you, let's talk about, did you have any failures along the way? Oh, yeah. And let's, uh, let's just, geez, it sounds like it was a lot. Let's just take two. <laughs> <laughs> what were your two biggest failures and what did you learn from them to maybe help people that are listening that are thinking about going through this process? You know, I don't think I've really had any, like, epic failure where 
I, everything fell apart. But you know, just every day there's something li- little, whether your marketing scheme fails and you've just wasted some money or, mm-hmm. um, you know, dealing overseas, there's a language barrier. Mm. You get sent the wrong product. You know, I had, I've had pictures of like, okay, I gave you these exact specifications and then you sent me this and it's not even close. Mm. <laughs> like numbers aren't, inter- they're internationally. You can't mess that up. Right. <laughs> um, true. Yeah. And then just getting organized too. I, um, organization is a huge part of all this. As you know, you get so many emails coming mm-hmm. in and out and, trying not to forget to send an important email to maybe an important distributor and finding ways that you can stay on top of your own like faults. Yeah. How do you, do you have a system by which uh, to stay organized? You know, I've, I've heard of a lot of really cool like organizational apps mm-hmm. or programs that you can do to send yourself reminders. There's a lot of neat email reminder stuff out there. You know, again, being just breaking out of startup mode here. I haven't really dove into those quite yet. Uh-huh. So I've really just come up with my own program of organizing folders and files right. and that kind of stuff. You, just should get, make- you should get a VA. You should get a virtual assistant. You know, I tried one actually, and that was really nice. I used one to do some actually overseas research uh-huh. on distributors and, and contacts and stuff like that. And um, I, I probably haven't figured that out quite right. I've heard a lot of great things of VAs, yeah. so I have to try it. Um, I think I just need to fine tune it or maybe talk to someone that uses one and really get some good feedback on yeah. how to efficiently use a VA. Yeah, yeah. I think I think if you I think when you're using a VA, you just have to have a pretty um I used a VA for a conference I did, for a virtual oh, conference yeah. I did, and it was awesome. Yeah. Um but you really have to have specific tasks right. outlined already. Like the VA will be the person that intercepts maybe emails from overseas to you and can handle some of those so that you don't have to worry about it, you know, or maybe they can just filter through your email and, and take out the spam and send you the things that you really need, needs your attention today and things, you know, so you can kind of do that as a way of organizing your life a little bit, you know, that might be helpful and virtual assistants are very affordable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, they're surprisingly affordable and I had a great experience with the virtual assistant, um, I think it's for for me it was very helpful because I didn't want to frankly didn't want to have to do yeah. everything you know right. especially cuz it's not like you're you're just sitting at home all day I mean you have a job <laughs> Yeah yeah you know and you have a family I just saw your daughter pop her head in and she's like <laughs> what one She's 21 months Oh oh okay almost two So you know almost. you you have a lot of stuff going on so sometimes doing what you do best and doing what's in your wheelhouse to the best of your ability and everything that's not being able to find a qualified person who it is in their wheelhouse to do a b and c to the best of their ability will help you really grow that's awesome yeah Um, did you use like elance or odesk did you find it through there i found it through i hired a project manager to kind of help me with with the whole entire conference and the lot from from inception to launch, and nice. she, it was a VA that she recommended. So, Very, so yeah, right. so that was really helpful. But you know, yeah. you can you can find a VA that can help you with like the, your VA can do all of your Facebook posts and right. all of your Twitter oh. posts. You know what I mean? So, so you can just write out your content, email it to her, and then sh- or her or him, right? Either one, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. and they can take care of your social media stuff during the day while you're working, and then you can go back maybe later, you know, 
I don't yeah. know. I'm just thinking off the top of my head. No, here, but I think you also hit a really awesome point when you said if you if you have a weakness, find someone that has that strength. Mm-hmm. It's so true because no human can be good at everything. Like impossible. Just, yeah, there's not enough time in the day. Impossible. So you get an awesome point on you know identify early on in this whole process. You really have to identify you know what are you good at? Are you good at are you a good inventor? Well, then, you know, license your products. Just get rid of them and let someone else who is mm-hmm. good at manufacturing, marketing, social media, and you just keep dreaming of products. Yeah. Or if you really like the idea of having a product, marketing that product, doing podcasts, doing sure. the whole realm, and you maybe you're bad with finances, so you better get a good account. What account- you need to go right. no matter what. But. Right. You need a good accountant no matter what. But, you know, like you said, like you need a lawyer, you need an accountant. I think it's just important to remember that when you – Get to the point of where you're mass marketing something. Yes. Um, let, let's say you got an order tomorrow for 10,000 of these. Right. Oh, you know, you, then you have to start assembling a team. Oh, yeah. I think I would let out a cry of great joy and then great fear. Yes, yeah, it's like <laughs> gratitude out the wazoo. Right. And then time to sit down and say, okay, this is what I need to do. Yeah, absolutely. Because I can't do it all myself. So I think they're all um, important uh, things to recognize in yourself. Like you said, what are you good at? Really sit down and and almost take a a pen and paper and write, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm not good at. Absolutely. And then once you have it down there, then you can say, this is what I need help with. And and you might just grow yourself even bigger than you ever imagined. So. yeah, you're absolutely right. And, you know, you can identify your weaknesses and, and do I need to, do I have an interest to be better? Do I need to go to a class or read a book or mm-hmm. invest in a coach or do I need to hire someone or find someone? Sure. Yeah. What, what yeah. books did you read that you found to be very helpful? Wow. They're, they're all sitting next to me. Perfect. I really liked um, <laughs> Stephen Key is a, a writer that does a lot with inventions. He's got two books out, one simple idea and there one sitting next to my bed on the nightstand. Um, I'm going to forget the name of it, but they're both really good books on okay. one's more based on licensing and one's more based on taking a product and it really walks you. They do a great job. That and the inventor's Bible by, Dochi, D-O-C-I-E. It really walks you through the process. It even shows you like sample agreements that you can make, patent ideas. You know, it really walks you through. It has a lot of great online resources. Um, and then I really like inspirational books too, like Gary Vaynerchuk's Crush It. Um, I like inspirational podcasts. I just read Richard Branson's Screw It, Let's Do It. That was a really mm-hmm. good book. Um, you know, I think as an inventor too, you're by yourself. And you have a lot of failures. So if you don't get your mind in the right spot, if you don't stay positive, focus on, you know, I'm here to help patients and people get stronger and, you know, really focus on that. I have a good idea. I can do this. Let's just take it as it comes. Um, And I think reading can really help kind of keep your mind in the right. Yeah. And and I think you said something important there is you have a product and your mission is to be of service to someone else with this product. Your mission is not, I'm going to be a millionaire with this product, but right. I'm going to be of service and I'm putting myself out there uh, for the betterment of other people. And I think when you have that mindset and you have that uh, sort of attitude of, of being positive and being grateful and all that kind of stuff ah. that I think that it's going to come back to you because people will see that you're offering them something that's going to help them and that right. you're not being weird and salesy. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, because so, people, that comes through. Yeah, absolutely. People can read that. I mean, all the way, I mean, especially consumers, but even other people like yourself, distributors, manufacturers, you know, even if you just ask someone else who's come up with a product, hey, I have a, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If you're genuine and very sincere, they'll probably get back to you. But if absolutely. you're like just trying to use them to increase your profits, yeah, you don't want to be like the creepy, weird guy, you know, gal, guy or gal, um, <laughs> yeah. who's just like in it for one reason. So right. people pick up on that. And and like you said, I'm sure you did email people and they were more than happy to help. Yeah. You know, yeah. which is which is great. And that's another thing. Like if people, let's say someone wants to get, sorry to put you on the spot here, but speaking of offering yeah. help, if someone wants to get in touch with you, where is the best way to do that? It's a, it's a good question. So I have a contact part of my website. So mm-hmm. if you go to www.thepronator.com, there's a contact page. Okay. Um, shoot me an email. I know just recently there's been two or three people that have reached out to me with similar things like this podcast, just kind of wanted to know about the process. They mm-hmm. had cool ideas. Um, that was one of the things early on in my career. I, I'm really kind of still searching for a good mentor. Uh, just really felt like that I was on an island in the physical therapy world. Mm to do this a little bit. And I found a lot of, I know there's people out there. I just probably haven't connected with them the right way. Um, but I always told myself that if someone really wanted some help, I would try to make myself available. So I mean, if people have some questions, okay, um, great. probably be happy to hopefully answer some of them. Great. All right. And then we also have today, um, we're going to do a special giveaway for the listeners. So for all you people listening, um, JR is graciously giving away a pronator. So yes. please tell the listeners what do they need to do in order to get there to be in the running to yep. win a pronator. This yeah. doesn't mean that if you do this, you automatically get it. You are in the running to get a pronator. He will pick a winner. I right? will. One winner. Not everybody's a winner. It's not kids' soccer. <laughs> right? There's one winner. Okay. All right. Go ahead. So we're going to put a question up on our Facebook, my Facebook page, the the pronator at the Facebook. And the question is going to be, it's going to be multiple choice. So we're going to narrow the answers down for everyone. Um, Actually, I had a really cool, my alma mater, Marquette, they did some research, some EMG studies on the pronator compared to using a regular dumbbell, just kind of curious of the effects and had some really good results with that. So the question that we're going to go with is if you compare holding a five-pound dumbbell in your hand doing pronation supination, um, we'll say elbow at 90 degrees, and then you hold the pronator, again, wrist in neutral, doing that same five-pound dumbbell, which is very challenging, actually, um, how much more muscle recruitment do you get? So how many more times difficult is it to use a pronator compared to just holding a dumbbell? Okay. Um, so the multiple choice will be on there. Uh, you can pick, and then we'll get all the right answers together and select a name out of a hat or find some yeah, fancy electronical yeah. process. Right. Yeah. And, I, and I also, I'm going to add this in there, but when oh. you go on to the Pronator Facebook page, you have to like the page in order to win. If you don't like the page, you're not going to win the pronator. So, you know, you want to get that good free content that JR is going to be putting out there about the pronator and maybe about overhead athletes, things like that, stuff that, you know, is is your expertise. So, um, So go to Facebook, search for The Pronator, 
You'll answer the question, you'll like the page, and then what, when will you be drawing the winner? Today is, so this is, today's Monday the 5th, so when, when do people have it to, uh, to get their answers in by? We'll give them a week. Okay, we'll one week. Monday the 12th. All right, Monday the 12th. So yes. um, if you're listening and you want to win a pronator, go to Facebook, uh, search the pronator, like the page, answer the question. You'll be put into the drawing, and uh, you will then be notified via Facebook if you're the winner. Yeah, I'll, um, yeah. I'll yeah. reach out to you. I'll send you a message on Facebook, and yeah. we'll get in touch. Okay, all right. And then and I will also put it... Um, I will talk about it on my Twitter page. My Twitter handle is at Karen Litzy NYC. And I'll, I'll also put this up on um, my Facebook page, which is Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart, I think. Like I said, I don't use Facebook a lot. But it'll definitely be on Twitter. Um, okay, so um, any oh, – we're going to kind of wrap things up. But any um, l- sort of lasting thoughts that you want the audience to kind of take away from our talk today? Wow, words of wisdom, huh? Words of wisdom. We need a little, a l- no, I don't need it, but, you know. <laughs> I don't know if I have any of those. But I would th- say the biggest thing, uh, if you have an idea, is don't be afraid of it. There are lots of challenges. There are lots of hurdles you're going to have to overcome, whether they're personal or monetary. Um, but there, there is support out there. And really, you're doing a great service for our profession, for your patients, for patients all over the globe. And therapy is looking for it. I mean, these companies that I've contacted, they want new things. They want new ideas. Um, so reach out to me or find someone, get a focus group, ask some questions to your coworkers, and um, make your dreams come true. Wonderful. Great way to end. So thank you so much for coming on. Um, and everyone listening, make sure you go to Facebook to the Pronator and sign up and try and win yourself a Pronator in the new year. It'll be a nice little New Year's gift for your clinic. Um, so again, thanks so much. And uh, everyone, we will see you next week on Monday the 12th. And maybe I'll find out who the winner is and I'll even announce it on the air just in case the person uh, for some reason didn't get it on Facebook. So um, anyway, thanks so much for listening. Have a great week and stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.